2: flushcarecom slash weight loss.
3: Peacock is streaming your favorite shows, movies,
2: live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals, and every live WWE pay-per-view. It's The Office, Chrisley Knows Best, and Peacock original shows like Funky Brewster. Peacock, watch for free, upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com.
3: Dave am Dave and there will be no encore. Welcome to episode 138 of the No Encore Music Podcast. Craig Fitzpatrick.
4: What's up, Dave? Your lean back before your kind of big exclamation at the start is getting more dramatic as the weeks go by. You were just like horizontal there and then, hello, it was great. Yeah,
3: it was pretty good. It was great. I enjoyed it. We have no <laughs> Colm Regan this week. We have no Dachia Drone this week, but no. we do have yes. a tremendous guest finally back it's Zara No <laughs> Hello. Hello. It's <laughs> been after, too long. After breaking into the studio last week. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
4: You Sorry. A little but, teaser. Uh, yeah. Full Which microphone baffled privileges. baffled everyone except the person that <laughs> led her into the studio.
5: Look, I, I like to surprise.
3: It's true. So, uh, since you've last been on the show, you are now a fully paid up member of the Irish Times culture section. Mm. Yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I've been... Getting the LP source out <laughs> and looking at different ways to say interesting yeah. and um, mesmerizing <laughs> and, you know, really trying to bring my aim game to describe a melody, basically. Yeah, Yeah, well, we're going to
3: talk about one of her reviews later, so I'm looking forward
5: uh, to it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. Great. Um, it's Go Crack and... Yeah, I've done four so far, and out of those four, three have been Irish acts. And um, yeah, it's been interesting. No mercy has been shown,
3: (laughs) but we'll get there. At first, we have to talk about a couple of things, though. One of those things is the No Encore Quiz of the Year, which is coming up. (gasps) Wednesday, December nineteenth, Workman's Club, and I still don't have the page set up. Tickets will be on sale next week, though. Great! It's a tenner. <laughs> <laughs> it's a tenner per person, or thirty-five for a table. The table seats four people. Yes, no more than that.
5: I can vouch. I went to it last year and and won. And won. And uh, it's great crack. I would highly recommend it to absolutely everyone it's a great night out
3: it uh, gets competitive it's very competitive there will be prizes and there will be really good rounds and stuff we've already started working I'm on the I'm really quiz. excited
4: about getting involved with the quiz rating it's going to be great I'm
3: really looking forward to it and I would encourage you a listener if you want to come to it to get a ticket quickly once the thing is live I'll put it on no Encore Twitter next week and uh, my own Twitter it will be out soon keep looking for it I'm so badly organised but trust me this one is going to sell out and it's going to be fun and who who doesn't love a
6: quiz? Everyone you know? loves I a love quiz. quizzes. Yeah,
3: <laughs> everyone loves quizzes. Everyone loves big nights out, and we've had several in the last <laughs> seven days. So here's a bunch of gig reviews. I'll go first. Okay, uh, we'll go in chronological order. Last Thursday after the podcast, Doc and I got a last minute call to sneak into the John Hopkins very sold out gig in Vicar Street, and I was there. I was there when John Hopkins had a bit of a nightmare.
5: I heard about this. This what? sounded not ideal.
3: Yeah. So essentially, um, he had visuals. And oh, okay. a few tracks in, like, the visual started cutting out a little bit, and then you'd see a thing in the bottom right-hand corner of the screen that was clear, like, some kind of notification, like, you know, reconnect the cable or whatever. Mm. And at first I was like, oh, John, this is really breaking the illusion, isn't it? And then it just didn't go away. And after the first four tracks, which were the first four tracks off Singularity, uh, after everything connected had ended, I was like, cool, I'm going to go to the bar and get a pint.
5: Did everything disconnect? Everything disconnected. <laughs> yes, that's what that happened. That's why she's back. <laughs>
3: <Yes>! <laughs> that's exactly what happened. So while I was at the bar, though, I was like, strange. This building was throbbing like uh, a few minutes ago. And now I can't really hear anything. I? Like, is this is this how it ends for me? And it turned out, no, no. They had stopped the gig to try and fix the problem. Oh. Couldn't fix the problem. And I think he just didn't quite regain the momentum from there. I mean, he had a couple that's of performers with him. Uh, Two, to, I guess, like acrobatic type dancers who were using these kind of cool like light things it was, was it like, Dahi's
2: crew yeah. from the <laughs> right <laughs> venue, you know, they weren't that,
3: they, they weren't that acrobatic okay, yeah. but I mean like it was a good show I couldn't quite tune into it for a couple of reasons one was that and the other reason was I was having a couple of pints I wasn't on pills you know mm. no well disrespect. no one else was there <laughs> <Yeah>. Dave <laughs> no, no disrespect to the techno living community
5: and how did the crowd like get the
3: pills
4: I just I probably <laughs> sourced them through the internet they went, <laughs> In Dark they way. went D- boots <laughs> for Web. some
5: multivitamins. Um, no, how did the crowd get back into then the set once everything was drugs? Re- drugs. Sorry, <laughs> yes.
3: Uh, people who were on drugs didn't mind. Um, okay, I mean he didn't lose the crowd. There was no no one's no one was like booing and throwing rotten fruit or anything, hmm. uh, which often happens at John Hopkins gigs, I believe. <laughs> In the, the Middle <laughs> Ages, <laughs> rotten fruit. <laughs> Sean Hopkins is in fact a vampire. Pomegranate
5: yeah. to the face, like
3: yeah. What, what a metal band they were. So essentially, <laughs> it was yeah. It, it it lost the momentum, didn't quite regain it. It was still a very entertaining show. He's got some great stuff. It's I felt kind of out of place. And I'm not really one for that kind of music anyway. It's mm. just I think his stuff is really cinematic and cool. Mm. And I really, I wish it had the visuals. Be- get a fucking better VGA cable. I found out uh, afterwards, apparently his bass was so loud and like intense that it dislodged a connection in the fucking roof of the venue. That's cool. And that's why they couldn't fix it. Wow! So, so he didn't
4: quite blow the roof off the place, but he <laughs> dislodged
3: <laughs> something in the roof. The following night, Zara Hederman went to see Stephen Malkmus, who Craig interviewed on last week's show. Mm-hmm. Craig didn't yeah. go. More on that in a moment. <laughs> Zara, who is currently wearing a Stephen Malkmus T-shirt, how was the gig?
5: It was really, really great. Um, it was. It's a gig that it was a gig that I was really excited about from the moment that it was announced. Mm. Um, so, yeah, no, the album is great as well. And I was looking forward to how they were going to perform certain songs, especially, I was really hoping that they were going to play Rattler. Okay. But they didn't. No. Um, <laughs> so you left. <laughs> I left. Pretty upset. Um, no, everything else, like Solid Silk sounded absolutely incredible. Um, cast Off was great, like, especially with, they started off with that. Um, and that, like, has such a impactful, like, culmination of like drums and guitar and stuff, um which was such a cool way to um enter the or begin the set. But like Malcolm every now and again would just l- whip his guitar behind his head and do loads of solos, which is quite good crack because you could see he was doing it in a kind of joking way and yeah. not in a like bit
4: of irony. Hey, look
5: what I can do guys. Yeah. Um, He's the original
4: ironic guitar hero.
5: Yeah. Um yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it was really great. Um, sound was great. His banter was good, and then obviously they, as they have been for like this tour, been doing some pavement covers. Yeah. So they did Shady Lane, and I got so excited that I spilled half a pint on the man in front of me. Um, it's not like you. No. <laughs> <laughs> and then they also um, another kind of uh, cover that they've been slipping into their set is Barstool Blues the Neil Young and Crazy Horse um, song from Zuma. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it was absolutely incredible. Is it
3: true that you had a Craig moment, aka shed a tear?
5: Oh yeah, I bawled my eyes out like.
3: During the
4: set, you started crying?
5: Yeah. I'm so (laughs) proud of you.
4: (laughs) 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 To what in particular? Was it after Uh, you spilled a pint? No, it was
5: like before, uh, it was during Solid Silk. Okay. Yeah. Uh, just it, the whole excitement of it, like
4: it's such a good album, the new one. Like I think fantastic. it's his best post Pavement album. Yeah, so and I make that claim. It's you fantastic. decided to be ironic by not going to yeah, that I gig. Know. I know. Why didn't you, you go, did back, I had prior commitments to a, band a little you- band <laughs> called the Brian Jones Sound Massacre. Um, yeah, I had already made plans. Um, and yeah, I didn't realise it clashed and then when I saw that Malcolmus was playing a long time ago, I was very upset. Mm. Doubly so having spoken to him and being like, See you in Dublin yeah. <laughs>
5: which is always So a you shit. basically lied to Malcolmus. No. You did. I, mm, Actually, yeah. Craig, you uh cut me off from asking Malcolmus a question that I had I been know, dying yeah. to ask him.
3: Yeah. Because Zara interviewed him right before Craig did. Yeah. Yeah. Um and he was like, Gotta go
4: Yeah,
5: he was like, I've got a call take I was like Bloody hell, Craig!
4: Like, what was that question?
5: His thoughts on Giroux. <laughs> he likes him.
4: <them>. Great. <laughs>
3: <laughs> very happy for you. How were the Jonestown? and notoriously uh, docile outfit, I believe. Uh,
4: oh, yeah. Um, It was a bit disappointing because Anton did not jump into the crowd and start a fight, mm-hmm. um, which I think everyone was looking for. Like, the last time I saw him in the academy uh, as well, he did that very thing where, like, someone was kind of annoying him and he, like, jumped in and everyone was delighted they were like he's <laughs> doing that thing from the documentary even the guy that was like Feynman was like oh look he's about to punch me um, but he did not do that this time uh, instead he played a really good set they're it's like phenomenal life, they're incredible All it's okay though because
3: I, I met you for a drink afterwards and then I got punched on the way home by someone you did yeah so that made up for it I guess
4: to
5: <sighs> think I was uh, a fan of the podcast
4: uh, no, I think
3: this guy would struggle to tie his own shoes together on a good day.
4: It wasn't Anton Newcomb. We can confirm no, it wasn't, <laughs> he was some cokehead
3: loser. Yeah. So that was Friday night. On Saturday, was it Saturday? Sorry, you travelled to Belfast.
5: <laughs> yes.
3: To see <laughs> this is quite the odyssey, isn't it? Former, <laughs> going. It's, it, <laughs> it's a busy time. Uh, former guest of the show, Saint Sister. Mm-hmm. How was that?
5: It was fantastic. Um, you also
3: got their Olympia show recently, which I missed out on sadly. I
5: did, yeah. Um yeah, that was a really great set. I mean Saint Sister, their live show is pretty flawless. Um the two times that I saw them within a week, um, they're just great. And I got like this I've discovered it's I don't know, I feel kind of strange saying it, but I said it last week to like um one uh to Morgan's boyfriend that like I've realized that Saint Sister gave me like severe ASMR like when okay. i listen to that when i've been at a live show my i get really really intense tingles at the top of my head and it's like the the like the combination of like the synth and the harp and then their their vocals are just so so nice yeah. um so yeah it was really great and it was really cool to hear like um their like the album live it was really great
3: what kind of crowds are they drawing in terms of just like the clientele hushed tones? ASMR fans.
5: Um, It was, it was strange, like, quite a mixed, like, there was like, obviously like, people in their 20s, but also like, people kind of in their like, late 30s, 40s. Um, Belfast crowd was quite loud.
3: During the gig?
5: Yeah. That's never good. I also got to see, um, Tandem Felix were performing. Tandem Felix had
3: been very busy, opening for Malchmas, opening for Saint Sister. Presumably um, working on that album.
5: The album, I think it's done. Supposedly,
3: yes, but um, until but, I see it.
5: Yeah, David Toppeny was playing um, some new songs from um, that album in Belfast in Dublin. They oh, sound great. All right. Yeah. Interesting. So it was a very exciting week.
3: It was, and my week has been exciting too. And It's one of the reasons why I, I, I feel very tired today, guys, because uh, I've had three nights out in a row. And I just don't think I can do it anymore.
4: Beginning with the big one. (laughs) The big (laughs) one. Celebrating one of the indie rock classics of this century. (laughs) <laughs> Block Party were in town They to were Played of
3: Alarm in full <laughs> That's correct They were um, Yeah do you think songs Alarm is a genuine classic Do you
4: um, I think it is fantastic well, how, Like
3: what was your relationship With Block Party back then
4: I Big adored them yeah um, I was they, they were kind of like Second tier of bands They weren't They were never like Your favourite band But mm. they were like Your maybe third favourite band yeah. <laughs> um, for a year or two that, that album is terrific I must say uh, they were doing something very different at the time then they went in a different direction and I was like oh okay see where they're going on the second album and I was like where are you going guys Out, Go- oh, they're gone <laughs>
3: <laughs> very, very well put the rumour was that like each member of the band would would decide the album like thematically yeah. or they would write it and it was like like per album like everyone would get their turn and then it just didn't quite work out. So essentially, right, Block Party 2018 is a strange thing as it is because uh, Matt Tong and why am I forgetting his name, the bass player? It'll come to me, but I've forgotten. Two of the lads are Gordon Mokes. Uh, yeah, they've yeah, yeah. left the band a few years ago. Uh, then Block Party re-emerged. They had like a really bad EP that was like made up of some sessions they were doing, which included that terrible song Ratchet. Oh, Remember that? Jesus. You know what? Let's have a quick blast of Ratchet. It's
5: like It's not ideal. To have a song called "Ratchet", ratchet when it yeah. sounds like "Ratchet," like
3: oh, um, very good. The punning.
5: How how did you not hear that? Like, because
3: I've never put two and two together that way. Um, but nonetheless, it's a bad song. As is the "Love Within," <laughs> which appeared on Hymns, which has the most comical kicking of all time still. But that version of Block Party, the current version of Block Party, is Kelly O'Quinn and Russell Lissack, who, by the way, has not aged a day. It's terrifying. And the bass player from that band, Menomina, Justin Harris, who looks like Jesus Christ, and a drummer by the name of Louise Bartles, who they found on fucking YouTube, who's in her, like, early 20s. So when of Alarm comes out, she's 10. Yeah. Wow. So they're touring this album. At one stage, Kelly, in the three arena, of all places, is like, we're Block Party and we're from London. And friend of the show, Dave Higgins, who was there with me, was like, well, you know, one of you is from Portland, but whatever. So it was just a weird thing to tour the album on, like, it's, it's 13 years old there's no real mm. reason for it apart from money if that's what you're doing it for so I didn't really know what to expect so I get down there three arena and I'm like yeah not a full house but in the end a respectable crowd I would say 60-70% full maybe okay. but I'm very bad at gauging these things mm. but it definitely had a decent-ish crowd especially on the ground floor um, it was a it was a big bombastic show lots of lights and they were up for it I still don't quite know what I was really watching but here's the kicker guys obviously Song's Alarm that's what they're playing that was the ticket that's been sold.
4: They played it in reverse order.
1: Oh. What?
4: So how do you feel about that? Was it how they always, like, they were like, oh, we should have done it this way? Is it some I think it's more Kendrick that- thing? No, <laughs> I, no, no, no. I, <laughs> I think it's more that, like, because
3: uh, uh, Delorento's man, Kieran McGuinness on Twitter, kind of chastised me for even just commenting on this. And he oh. was saying, no, that's actually the best way to do it, because what you're doing for is... For a live, yeah. Yeah, can you're actually like, see up with, work. like... You're opening up, you're building, you're building the set, you're building it, and you build to the big... Because that album's very front-loaded. Yes. Yeah, like. it mm, is. You're yeah. building to the faster, bigger ones, which is true. And to be fair, it definitely worked. However, if I'm buying a ticket to see the album live, I think I want the album in the order that I know it, no? <laughs> well,
5: I don't know. Like, it's a dangerous, kinda, dangerous one, though, is I, I it? It's a
4: slippery slope, Dave.
5: <laughs> but like, if I was buying an al- a ticket for a band playing an album... In full... Yeah, I don't think I would even expect them to play chronologically. I just would definitely. Kind of,
3: That's exactly what you would expect, yeah. no? Really? I mean, if, if the announcement is, like, we're playing this album in
4: full, like, we're, we're doing a special performance of Silent Alarm. Well, look, where does it end, Sarah? They're just dropping in songs <laughs> Mer- randomly into the middle, like...
5: <laughs> I'm just trying to think, because I... Leaving
4: off an interlude.
5: Because <laughs> uh, I saw um, Mercury Rev during the summer playing... Deserter songs, was it? Yeah, they? and I don't think they played that chronologically Yeah but Mercury ever Mad Men I don't know what you're getting but I think it's kind of a bit more exciting and thrilling to like go to a show and not really know what to expect yeah maybe yeah
3: I guess I mean like to be fair I didn't I wasn't like I was just kind of rip
5: up your ticket on the spot I'm gone I suppose in that case it's not just like
4: they're like oh let's stick it on shuffle it's like a very clear thing of this is how it will work to kind of build momentum yeah
3: and it did work it absolutely worked and then they also played Little Thoughts Craig yeah they I know. I, I'm
4: sorry, I missed it now for that song. Their best song, which I think was their first. Basically, it, I prefer the early stuff. And it wasn't on
3: the album. It was on like the deluxe edition. Yeah, yeah. we were like, what the fuck, lads?
4: Great but are album tours like nostalgia things done?
3: No, they're going to keep going uh, Westlife, mate It's a second Croke Park The Manic
4: Street Preachers are doing the 20th anniversary of This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours Which oh, nobody albums. enjoys <laughs> Just like, sure, like fair enough, the Holy Bible Everything must go The one that they've said themselves has about four good
5: songs What? If you were to see
4: and I, if, oh
5: God. if there was an album tour that was announced yeah. That you were like, right, go on to that What would it be? Oof. What would your ultimate album tour be? Great gig? question
3: uh, phew, I mean, like, Dillinger Escape Plan, <laughs> Kanye West doing Eight Oh Eights and Heartbreak.
4: Uh, yeah, maybe Dark Twists of Fantasy. M eighty
3: three doing Before the Dawn Heals us. MBV
4: doing Loveless would be amazing. Yeah, what do you think, Sarah? Given that it was your question,
5: I'd quite liked it purely as well because I've never seen him live. But I would love to see uh, Bill Callahan doing Woke on a Whale
4: Okay,
5: that would be. Fuego. What you
3: about see, the Amy Winehouse hologram doing Back to back? No,
5: Black? Like, hol- like, people are like, <laughs> album toys need to end. Hologram stuff needs to end. I agree. That's unnatural. That's getting out of hand. Like, that's unnatural. Music, it's natural. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
4: trying, it probably comes down to just acts where you only really like the one album. Because any kind of major acts that I like, it's like, I kind of want a bit of a mix. I'm not, I'm not mm. like dying to see just one record.
3: That's fair. I mean, uh, it was a strange gig, but I was entertained. Oh, well, that's all that matters. On Tuesday night, I went to another strange gig as Dermot Kennedy continued his rise with a pair of sold-out Vicar Street dates. He's already announced two dates back in the Olympia for next year. And I say strange, and it's simply because, once again, I find myself in this kind of weird, like, I'm fascinated by this guy. You um, love him? I I quite like him, yeah. Um, He's got an incredible voice and a great band. His drummer, Mihal Quinn from Melty Brains, is the best drummer in this country. He's astonishing. It's brilliant. He's got the tunes, man. Some praise. Now, I do think that Dermot Kennedy is slightly veering into a bit more of a generic territory with the most recent singles he's been putting out. Mm-hmm. Particularly the most recent one, "Power of Me." It's fine. Like mm. it's grand, but he, he, based on what he's written before, he's got better songs in him. Mm. And again, that's what happens if you sign to a major label, I presume. Mm. So, but the thing about Dermot Kennedy is like. It's fascinating because like he's massive, but no one kind of knows who he is. And like essentially, it's this thing of like—is
5: that true though? But like, I think a lot of people know who. I he is. I don't think
3: they. Are. I think if you walked in the street and say, "Hey, do you know Dermot," but
5: Kennedy how goes? can how can someone who people don't know who they are? But that's are two the fascination
3: of it all. His fans are diehards. He's getting bigger little by little. He is radio friendly.
5: Little by little, but he's not like.
3: <laughs> but he's he's not like great song. He's not like picture this, like you know, like where everyone knows who they no, are. Well, yeah, no, one the charisma. Is picture I mean, <laughs> <laughs> come on, it's, you're, you're not like picture monkeys in their heyday. <laughs> you just
5: can't go an episode without bringing them up, can <laughs> to be you? Fair, I'm using a current example
3: of like a phenomenal, uh, like a phenomenal. No, 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 no.
5: <laughs> Don't get yes! me wrong here. Oh, he's <laughs> blushing. This is like the time when
3: you said, "There's nothing
4: Calvin Harris can't do," or something. Right?
5: I, I stand think, by that. I don't think I've ever seen you blush. Oh God, as God, much remember those six months
4: we Elvin Harris was going to release a good album. <laughs> it didn't happen.
3: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, to, to clarify what I was saying there, a phenomenal like thing that's happening because it is, it is. Yeah, I'm, like you know, mm. it, it just is. It's like how is this even like? How has it got to this level? So with Dermot Kennedy who to clarify i think is uh, quality wise significantly better than the picture is uh the fans who go to his gigs because like i say like they are <coughs> hardcore fans mm. these are people young people uh, i mean like i i, I kind of was like oh is it mostly women it's i'd say it's 50-50 really like he commands quite a big audience from mm. uh, both genders but essentially or all genders rather uh, essentially what happened there was he has these moments where he'll tell an anecdote yeah And then the crowd are like, take your fucking shirt off. And it's like, what?
5: uh,
6: Yeah. That's what
3: happens. And like, like it's so strange because he, he's trying to like give some of himself. And yet they're they're like, no, 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 play the song, mate. And this has been happening. It happened in the button factory. It happened in the Olympia. It happened at electric picnic and it happened in Vicar Street. That's
5: unacceptable.
3: It is unacceptable. It's really, it's very disrespectful. And don't get me wrong. uh, I think if I was being critical, I think his anecdote game needs some work. Talk to Malcolmus. Both in terms of what he's saying and how he's saying 20P. it. Especially because he takes his time telling these stories and that leaves so much room for a restless crowd mm. to be like, it, you fucking ride! Because that's what's happening and I just find it really, really weird. Where, like, here's this guy who has gone out there with these vulnerable naked songs and yet the crowd aren't really like going with that.
5: He's going to ask him for it then if they're Naked songs.
3: I don't think so. No. That's a very controversial I was thing, joking. So. <laughs> but it's just a Jesus weird thing of like,
5: Jesus Christ. Like, I, 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 like,
4: I genuinely want to sit him down. Sarah's so like, the show um, wasn't this PC last time I was on.
3: <laughs> I just genuinely want to sit him down and be like, do you like your fans? Because I don't know if he does. And that's I mean, that's me speculating. I'm not. Well, s-
4: what's he what's he gonna do? Like, get a whole different audience? But, shed all his fans and they have no career? No, it's but, that age old thing. It's yeah, like, you can't do that. Yeah, obviously, it's so, like what Kurt Cobain was banging on about for years now. It's just yeah. like he hated his fans pretty much. But you're sitting there and
3: you're feeling this tension, you know?
1: Yeah. Mm. While
3: also in this kind of big communal thing, because like again, like there was like two girls sitting beside me, and they were like. Wrapped. they're like, oh my god, this yeah. is the, like, oh my, oh, I can't believe he's playing that song. Well, he's got like 15 songs, of course. Yeah. Play. I felt
4: like there was a bit of that with the Arctic Monkeys, particularly with the new album, where he is deliberately trying to do a thing where he, oh, he's I testing his fans. He's testing his fans. Like, it's that thing. I'd say a lot of major acts probably wouldn't care for their average fan that they've got like they numbered with, right? Probably, because I think that like, you have this weird thing where I feel like the, the big takeaway from Dermot Kennedy
3: at the moment is I think his fans. Think that the songs belong more to them than to him, okay. which is just weird. Yeah, it is weird. But nonetheless, I enjoyed the gig. And finally, I went to David Byrne, guys. i very jealous. I went to mm. David Byrne in the Three Arena, and it was astonishing. He puts on a good show, yeah, by all it accounts. Yeah, looks great. A huge Anything production thing, like, very. I mean, yep. he somehow managed to make the stage <clears throat> be, like, the smallest and the biggest thing in the mm. world simultaneously.
5: One thing, though, like, uh, it. I didn't fully get into American Utopia as an album. I I don't know. I it just I found it very. I was like, I didn't, yeah. I find it very very difficult to get invested in it. Was I it found, like a
4: lyrical thing, thematically or no, just the melodically? Sounds? Like okay. the
5: sounds I wasn't so into. Um, and then when I saw that, like, the majority of a set was Talking head songs, and like a few American Utopia songs kind of scattered in there mm. kind of made me wonder how confident or like how happy he is with that album maybe as well because okay. I mean he's like he is touring that album and then to just like do songs that are like your greatest hits yeah, it just seemed a bit odd to me. I um, guess like he's like, probably
4: par for the course at that stage. Uh, of but like, uh,
3: also like he's at that age, <laughs> you know. It's like I think audiences who go see David Byrne expect the hits. They expect that. They expect a big name.
5: <laughs> yeah, maybe for like your encore for his encore. Mm. Yeah. yeah. How
4: much of the new album did you do? Was it?
5: I think there was only like something like
4: there's a handful of songs from it. Okay. Three
5: or four songs, including
4: "Everybody's Coming to My House," which is one of my favorite songs. Yeah, of the but year. of course no. he yeah, was right. going to
5: play that. That's a single. It's a single, yeah.
4: I, I, yeah I expected like you know judging by some of the reviews and the what a production this is and there seems to be a kind of narrative woven into it to a certain degree or there is absolutely that was, is a narrative mm. I was assuming it, yeah. that was based around the record as opposed to drawing on kind of talking head stuff and
3: yeah, it was a little from call me a little from call me yeah, yeah it was heavily peppered with talking head stuff but again from my point of view as someone who's neither a huge fan of either like like his current stuff or talking heads and I say that with regards to like I just don't yeah, yeah. Like, mm. I know a handful of stuff. Mm. I was going for like a case of what is this going to be like? I'm kind of going in blind in a way. Mm. And then I did find myself going, oh yeah, I know that one. And I know that one, of course. Hey, he's got hits. Uh, But like (laughs) as as a show, like it's astonishing. He's on a stage. It's incredibly minimal. There's no props really outside sort of like a chair a table and a fucking brain which disappeared I was about
5: to ask you I read a review it keeps from... moving like okay,
3: people come in and out with the out of the wings like he has this 12 piece band they're all wearing grey suits as I see they're all barefoot it's clearly choreographed within an inch of his life yeah. but it's always moving it's always doing something different and then you miss stuff you miss stuff like disappearing you're like Wait, where, where, where was that thing now it's gone hmm. there's just a barrage yeah. and he's
4: always taking great care with that kind of thing but yeah. it's incredibly
3: welcoming it's incredibly inviting it's incredibly communal because like that's a big part of this yeah. and a big part of it is that like you know, he wants to give people reasons to be cheerful, which is another thing yeah. that he's been doing on the side here. And there was a lot of love in the room; you could feel it. Like I mean, people were there to have a good time, yeah. um, and people had a great time. It really was it was quite emotional. it was quite spiritual. I think as a show, like as like a, a art pop concept installation thing in was astonishing. Mm. Uh, I had a great time.
5: Um, and like his voice and everything like, he's it's just as like fresh and exhilarating and youthful as it was back in 1977 Plus, like it's um, just yeah. remarkable but even he
3: got a bit of the Dermot Kennedy treatment where like about a few songs in someone kind of shouted out Psycho Killer oh. which by the way he didn't play uh, and later on he mentioned at one stage he kind of like didn't talk to the crowd too much but at one stage he was talking and he kind of mentioned this incredible ride we've been on blah 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 and he goes you know he goes you can play songs like you know he goes for example like Psycho Killer and it was like that's clearly a dig that woman, that's brilliant. Mm. But at the end of it, uh, he closed off the show, the second encore, uh, with a Janelle Monet song. A song called uh, Hell You Tell 'Em About." And That's about police brutality, people who've died at at the hands of police brutality, African Americans in particular. Mm. um, And it has this incredible refrain where they will say the name of someone who has died in real life. And it's mm. like, you know, say his name, say his name, say his name or say her name. Mm. And they've added, they've updated it to like people who've died in recent years. And it mm. was st- so powerful. Like it was so powerful, like his, his band. And I one stage say he kind of made the point. He was like, you know, I think it was after everybody's coming to my answer beforehand. He was saying that, like. Uh, his band has uh, immigrants in it like people from Brazil people who like you know ordinarily might have been given a chance whatever and I think in any other setting it might come across as like kind of weirdly self-congratulatory or superfluous but here it did make sense mm. yeah. and it was a case of like hey look I know we're all fucked but like we can also do great things mm. Yeah, and it, it was a, there was a genuine sense of power uh, and like kind of just like again, like, love. There really was, like, a togetherness. I, I
4: still find it weird that he was attacked so viciously um, oh, when yeah. the album came out oh, over yeah, the that, lack yeah. of women collaborators mm. on the new record. Because it's just, like, people should know his track record of he, working with whoever is yeah. talented and whoever is kind of igniting that spark. I mean, it just seemed really, why are we just infighting amongst, you know, I don't know. I yeah. thought it was a weird one.
5: And having seen, um, like, the show last night, could you see maybe how that show could be taken to, say, like, Broadway?
3: Ah, that's a very interesting segue. The Western. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before we get to our news section. <laughs> oh, really? It's, I tried
4: been to do something
1: for three good. hours at this point.
3: With, with he, no, I, I have to say. I have that to say,
1: was a great segue. Thank you, Craig. It was. Great, you, no, it,
3: was, it, was uh, it was. I have to say three things before we move on because that, that was a longer preamble than normal because we went to lots of gigs, guys. Yeah. Uh, one, again, friend of the show, Dave Higgins, he was at the show as well. and He said that on the Lewis on the way home, he said there were lots of stuffy white old men complaining that he didn't close the Psycho Killer and instead did a song by Genome. Well, you know, you guys missed the point there. I feel. I, I feel like that probably wasn't racist. They just wanted the hit. That's hits. not what I was saying. <laughs> okay. Second of all, uh, I was sat next to Dave Fanning during the gig. Oh, oh actually, yeah. sorry, yeah, yeah. At the end of the show, I said, "What'd you think of it?" And Dave Fanning said, ah, "Good songs were good. Crap songs were crap."
5: Yeah, Eloquent an enigma, as always.
3: isn't he? That was his, sum- his, his summary of the show. Uh, and finally, sorry, yeah, so before we get to the news, uh, <laughs> packed show, we've already had a bit of a pack show, but uh, coming up later in the show, we'll be reviewing the new Robin album, and we'll be having a chat with Le Boom as they continue their rise across the Irish dance music scene. But first, the news. <laughs> Zara, what's David Byrne up to?
5: Well, <laughs> David Byrne is only going to bloody broadway isn't he um so yeah um a lot of people have been kind of maybe sad that they have not been able to go to the american utopia tour um so it's been suggested that the frontman um that he's had interest in t- basically like taking the show to broadway and london's west end and turning the tour into some type of show
4: yeah um he was he was being interviewed um, by The Guardian and he said, you know, I've never done anything like that before. Well, he seems kind of su- excited at the creative opportunities that might pose. And it does seem strange that, I mean, given his onstage craftsmanship, his kind mm. of artier leanings outside of pure music, that he hasn't done something like this. Yeah. That said... I don't know if I want a David Byrne musical but well, he's, like... If he just did what he did last yeah, night, like, what's that's the fine. Big, what's the extra bit that we're getting? Like, that's- is there
5: going to be some kind of, like, backstory of a musician from New York, like, in the 70s and yeah, how his become- career unfolds or, like... And as, like, um, there's a quote here in, like, the news notes and it's like... Um, so we're just gonna sit back and see how he connects slippery people and I Zimbra in Act Two. It's like, yeah, hmm. I mean, like
3: you're you're running into Spider Man Turn off the dark territory, <laughs> maybe possibly, which which nobody wants. But at the same time,
4: if anyone can do it, I think he oh, could yeah.
5: do something very interesting. Yeah, definitely.
4: But, uh, I, I just think I don't get musicals. Like I'm a musical philistine. I know pe- some people are absolutely crazy about them. Yeah. Um They don't really work for me. But he, what about the Rocky Horror Show? Uh, sure yeah what about it's Hairspray like no, I don't I've what, never what about seen about Hairspray Moulin Rouge alright guys calm down <laughs> <laughs> but even like you know you say there if anyone can pull it off David Byrne David Bowie prior to his passing put together that Lazarus show yeah. and it got kind of like good reviews with and Michael stuff. C. Hall wasn't it yeah. yeah and it like won loads of awards And but when you talk to like his fans like of the music and I know some people that kind of checked it out and they were like
5: eh kind
4: of like a musical like yeah. it's even when Bowie's driving the thing, it's still just like this is a musical. Like I don't know. I yeah. think
5: people are. I think you're maybe just better off, especially now, like with this album. Like he did a whole like lecture series about like that reasons to be um, yeah. cheerful thing. So maybe just watch that and then listen to the album. <laughs> yeah, maybe or that read could, one of his books. Yeah, he's a exactly. Very interesting man. Um,
3: I think he's just a big fan of having a clip on Mike. You know, like Brit- <laughs> like Britney Spears. Did you know that Baby One More Time turned twenty? Yeah, this week. Yeah, what? twenty years old. Baby One More Time. I thought it was
4: ninety nine. Nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, what was, she was probably only about seventeen, was she? I think
5: so. so. I was, was six she? years old. Sassily shaming down my hallway, chamaying. clicking my fingers <laughs> like
4: what is that?
5: Shaming, sh- sh- shimming, sashaying
4: Was that like, like yeah, I think there was, was an, an amalgam. Yeah, <laughs> is really bit of a really like that.
3: Yeah, it holds up. It's hi. a tune
4: now. Dave, hi. Is shaming permitted on stage at Wireless Festival? Well, at
3: this stage, Craig, I don't even know <laughs> anymore. Because that? lots of stuff is not permitted. For example, swearing.
4: <laughs> yeah. Um, it's been allowed to remain in London's Finsbury Park but there's been a Thank lot of god yeah a lot of rules imposed by
5: the friends of Finsbury they, Mark, they just <laughs> sound just like, like the most group. irritating people it, who no
4: it sounds like a cult it sounds yeah. like Wicker Man they sound like people that very much voted for Brexit is yeah. what I think um, but they complained about the noise levels uh, drug taking and anti-social anti-social behaviour around the festival which um I think a Live Nation spokesperson uh, declared was a celebration of grime music, which is probably the problem they ran into um, with the residents nearby. But they've worked something out. Um, Live Nation's been granted a license. There's new conditions. The conditions include requests that performers do not sing or play any vulgar, obscene or banned songs or carry out indecent acts or make any vulgar gestures, actions or remarks during the performances.
5: Like how, uh. how are they supposed to police that like are they going to implement like ridiculous fines, fines i guess but then it, you- but like at the same time if you're like
1: uh,
5: stormzy you can't swear like what? you're going to yeah. have to pay as 5 grand i'm sure stormzy is like yeah mate that's a, not a drop in my ocean so i'll drop the F-bomb 15 times. Or like I mean. don't
3: do the festival. Uh, yeah. It also says the performers must not offend the general public. Yeah, there's examples. And it <laughs> gives examples like attire which exposes the groin, private parts, buttock, or female breasts.
4: <laughs> Yeah. So, so yeah, like Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake at Super Bowl is not. Wear <laughs> a
3: fucking sleeping bag to this, is there, or something? Yeah, I guess. So. Uh, but, but even, like, you know, people
4: saying, like, citing aggressive
3: behavior and that kind of stuff, but it's th- max of racism, doesn't it? Yeah, it very much mm-hmm. does,
4: particularly when the problem in the past has been, you know, complaints over, okay, noise, which I'm guessing there's not a huge spillover in terms of what you actually hear lyrically. Mm. But then also, antisocial behavior, drug dealing, and litter damage, which I'm guessing isn't the axe. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the people going to it. Or do they think if they cut out swearing, people will be like, oh, well, That'd no, be we more can't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what? Again, know. it's festivals during
3: the summer where people lose their own of themselves and just forget what, you know basic codes of society. And I do mean basic, like littering, obviously, you know. Yeah.
5: Maybe continues they, to be a problem. Maybe they just don't have an oxygen bar there. Maybe they need <laughs> to bring in, like, Sunday morning yoga and have, like...
4: A bit of Reiki, as Dave yeah, experienced. Yeah.
3: Well, to be fair, Electric Picnic has all those things, and this year it was, like, a fucking bomb looked like it had hit it by the time it was over <laughs> yeah. I think you know people will just treat festivals as an excuse to go wild
4: and that's the mm, way of it and I mean uh, Finsbury Park probably hasn't been used for gigs forever it's not like you know when you move in next to say Croke Park and you kind of know you should know what you're going to get yeah. events so you could see maybe if it starts being used as a venue and it's in a kind of residential area, people might be upset. But these, yeah, these rules are draconian. Well, speaking mm. of,
3: what else is going on with British power versus music?
4: Yeah, losing the run of yourself, um, indeed. Former British MP has apologised for homophobic comments um, made in the past prior to his MPing days. Actually, I think he might still be an MP, but he's no longer a Labour MP. He was yeah. kicked out of the party. He's also blamed Eminem for his actions back around the turn of the century. Um, So this was, yeah, Labour MP Jared O'Mara, who was then kicked out of party. I think he was reinstated and then quit, but he's still knocking around Westminster.
5: Still knocking around (laughs) Westminster. So hang on,
3: this concerns comments (laughs) that he made, right? Yeah. And there's a big red flag here. They're posted on a
4: fan site for Morrissey. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And This is one <laughs> recent news story involving Marcy where I don't think we can find any fault with Moza, <laughs> thankfully. we can find some fault. Well, not in direct relation to this, <laughs> yeah, I don't no, think. It think was um, his one, yeah. fan site. It was like a message board thing. Um, and yeah, it was back. It was stuff he posted between 2002 and 2004. Um, a lot of kind of anti-LGBT messages. Just kind of horrible, very childish stuff. Um, we won't go into all of the comments um, but it came out um, over the summer that he'd kind of, he had this past of making quite obnoxious statements online, um, he was suspended by Labour uh, after they discovered these kind of homophobic messages. He quit the Labour Party earlier this year. On Monday, Amara denied that he was homophobic. Uh, he was speaking at Westminster Hall. The MP said that his early uh, naughties remarks came during a period of listening to Eminem. Now... Hang on a second. I I don't
3: also want to, like, lower the tone here and, like, make light of this. But nonetheless, just for context, one of the things that this guy said on the message board was about Morrissey. and An argument about whether Morrissey is gay. Can you imagine how many fucking pages are on that? (laughs) Uh, He said... Just because he writes about gayness and gay issues doesn't mean that he drives up the Marmite motorway. I was really oh. hoping that you
5: weren't going to use Or that for that one. matter,
3: allows someone to drive up his. And then he goes, and just because I use euphemisms for anal love that can be interpreted as being derogatory by the self-righteous in the PC brigade, block capitals now, does not mean I'm homophobic.
4: Well, that settled that there and
3: then,
5: didn't it? I mean,
3: <laughs> if you got to make that follow-up statement, having basically come out with something that a child might come out with in a hopefully now erased time. But also
5: saying, he said at one stage, I used homophobic words, but they were the words of the time. They were on the M and M time.
4: Like, yeah, because everyone walked around talking exactly yeah, like M and M. No, did. they didn't. <laughs> it's got like it's Slim like, Shady alter ego. It's
5: <laughs> so pathetic for like this. He's like what in his like mid late thirties mm-hmm. to be to blame M and M to blame someone else oh, for his, his he like, has, immaturity. He also like. has this
3: brilliant line where he goes, "They did not listen to me when I said that my local pub where I've been going all the time for twelve years oh, gotcha. is a gay bar. Some
4: of my favorite bars are gay. That's what he's like, saying." Uh, but uh, you know obviously people can change and mature and stuff yeah, he was, Ro- Rocky Ford taught us that yeah if nothing else but he was between 20 and 22 yeah. it wasn't like he was some 14 yeah, year old no. online he was a grown man yeah. like what was like he you would presume like out
3: of university like wasn't there a guy who was also like involved in some political party who basically uh, said really fucked up shit about girls laid on a message board possibly drowned oh, sound really? a while ago okay. and had to like step down
4: yeah, okay. Um, who knew that this that was like
3: the Achilles' heel of British politics?
4: I mean, there is that argument. That, like, there's a debate around how crucified should you be for stuff you made in the distant past. I think when it comes to MPs and it, when it reveals stuff about like their true colours, yeah, fair game. Yeah, when it comes to maybe directors of films who are trying to be funny in the past, maybe not so much. There's Oof. an argument there. I don't know. Red hot take craze. Yeah, but um, certainly you wouldn't want this guy representing you. <laughs>
3: Yeah, it's getting a bit angsty, Craig. So let's move on to another story, uh, in which it turns out that myself and Ed Sheeran have a lot more in common than you
4: might have originally thought.
5: I actually wasn't very surprised by this.
4: Okay yeah i remember um interviewing ed sheeran a number of years ago and um we were talking about how eclectic his album at the time was wasn't very eclectic Mm. but he was saying you know playing um, the game there were you i'm (laughs) not i'm of that generation where um it's the ipod shuffle generation this was sounds like years ago i think it was only three years ago Uh, but he said you know i don't see genre blah 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 i listen to a bit of everything i don't
5: see genre Like the best line anyone could use on like a first date.
4: I mean,
3: you know me. Like I I just don't see genre. For me, everything is it's just one big long song. What he does see
4: is new metal. Yeah, Um, bro. He's a big fan of Corn and my song of the day. My song of the day
3: today was Corn.
5: Oh (laughs) Jesus! What an indulgent plug. I didn't even know this. this, this, this. Yes, you did. You emailed
3: uh, around this no but I, I didn't I didn't see this story because Craig sourced this story this is getting very boring yeah uh, so
4: um, Twitter though uh, go to Twitter Henry Dave first song of the day Oh, gee. Brian Head Welsh um, was <laughs> that's, attending that, that, that's his name a Marlon Manson <laughs> Head <laughs> <laughs> um, was attending a Marlon Manson concert with James um, Monkey Schaefer <laughs> yeah um, he was backstage at, at the show and he ran into none other than Ed himself who that's expressed funny. his love for corn to the guitarist uh, a picture was posted Um with the comment, of course, um, he would walk right past me um, at the Marilyn Manson concert and tell us he's been listening to Freak on a Leash earlier today. Why should we be surprised? Man's got taste. What's wrong with that? Freak on a Leash almost made it, by the way. I
3: picked Blind instead.
5: Could you imagine if like on um, Ed's next album, which I presume is going to be called, what, Subtract?
4: It <laughs> what no, 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 no. He did that right, didn't he? No. The first one. Minus, yeah, yeah. Minus. no, plus, 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 plus. Then there was X. M- multiply and divide. divide. No, no he subtraction. Subtraction. Yeah. Yeah. sorry. Yeah,
5: thank you. Um, it's your fans
3: throwing their phones. I'm, on yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to like square root. That Do you? Pi.
5: Pythagoras. I wonder if um, you know after meeting him, they'd be like, "Hey, fancy doing a feature on my album?" subtract and he's like yeah
3: let's totally what would
5: that song sound like
3: (sighs) uh it would sound like jonathan davis doing his jonathan davis thing over acoustic guitar which corn have done before because they did the unplugged
4: thing of course they did everyone was doing the unplugged thing yeah (laughs) maybe do you remember stain did that yeah a lot
5: but maybe like if ed and corn record a song and they're not actually that happy with it but have to like release it maybe they could just do it under um lp's name
4: The thing is, no matter what Ed Sheeran, like, listens to or is influenced by, it always goes through an Ed filter. And yes, that was hilarious. (laughs) Zara Zara tried another (laughs) segue there and it was good. But Craig is to stay on this story.
5: I'm not destined to be a host.
3: The Ed filter.
4: Fine, let's talk about Run the Jewels and streaming. What's going on with Run the Jewels and streaming, Zara Hedman?
5: Um, So uh, basically what is going on is... Uh, LP took to Twitter uh, again recently to criticise Spotify's lack of protection for the artists against fraud. Fraud? I said fraud. Fraud.
3: It's a Family Guy joke. It's a really good Family Guy joke from like back when it was funny. Oh, I don't. When some that. guy appears out of and goes, "This is a textbook example of insurance fraud." <laughs> It was really good.
5: Okay. Um, So uh, he basically said that he has had in the past, like, people um, uploading music to the streaming site um, using his name. And I presume it appears on his, like, profile. Mm -hmm. Um, So he has had to, like, contact Spotify on numerous occasions to be like, look, this Joker is not me. Please get this taken down. And they're very, very lax about it. Um, Yeah, like, the
4: whole problem seems to be that the the protocol is you have to have legal representation, get mm -hmm. in touch with them, and get them, like, on an individual basis to take care of this. Whereas it would seem that... Like algorithms can sort out that kind of stuff, permission yeah. from the artist, where there's a layer of just security. Um, and yeah, the, the, it comes down to him basically saying, Spotify, I don't care.
5: And he said <laughs> that this happens at least monthly. Yeah. But he did say. And I don't know if this is like, you know, an endorsement that he's looking for or something, but he said that it never happens on Apple Music. Oof, Craig, you are you sad that you cancelled that subscription now? <laughs> well,
4: I've cancelled many subscriptions. Um, I wonder what the title situation is like. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. But Back yeah. home, but also in the stratosphere, Gavin James
3: has celebrated his brand new album, Only Ticket Home, by shooting a copy of it into space. Let's leave it there. Am I right, guys? Etc. So with the help of two of his scientist pals, managed to send the album on a four-hour journey through the clouds. Zara, you've listened to the new Gavin James album for more than four hours. You reviewed it in the Irish Times, giving it two
5: out of five in
3: the paper of record. Mm -hmm. Not impressed by Big Gavin? No?
5: It was was such a struggle to listen to that album. His
3: sophomore effort.
5: Yeah. Uh, Clearly showing that... The second album is incredibly difficult for some. Um Lyrically that album is such a joke. It's actually it's remarkable. Some of the lyrics in that album. Um and like some just so, so cliched, like I can't remember if there was one like two Two Hearts Are Better Than One um, you're Whoa. the
4: you're the cup. He's <laughs> talking about Doctor Who, but
5: then he also there's one uh, a little there's, Doctor Who <laughs> reference right here. <laughs> there's one. Uh, Sorry,
4: the Doctor. Jesus, get off my back.
5: <laughs> there's one uh, line as well, and it's like you're the coffee cup that wakes me up. It's ooh, like ooh, ooh, what? Ooh. That doesn't even actually make sense. Like, <laughs> um, I like just smashing <laughs> coffee
4: over his head. Like, or,
5: I just Here's <laughs> your coffee. <laughs> get out of bed.
4: Sorry, we're doing some improv there. <laughs>
5: Oh Yeah, I just, I find it baffling and I think, you know, there's too much of, oh yeah, but he's such a nice guy. Like, I think that it that does not a good album make. So I, for one, think that all of the albums pre- of Only Ticket Home that were pressed should be launched into outer space <laughs> wow. you so would, that if no this, one
4: has to listen to it. If this story had come out prior to you penning the review, would you have been tempted to do a kind of like, well, at least in space no one can hear this? Like, would that have been... Because I, I would have put that are in.
3: But suge- I definitely I wouldn't have finished. With are you suggesting Lazar is a hack? I definitely wouldn't have said
5: <laughs> that it's out of this world. Oye.
3: okay. On that note, I'm going to try and uh, Rain it s- in. S- rain, yeah, come, yeah, come back down to earth, basically. Oye. Oye. Uh,
1: because <laughs>
3: <laughs> we have special guests on the show for in for an interview. They are called The Boom. Their new song is called Animal, and it sounds a bit like this. So have a listen to it, and then through the power of magical editing, Christian Amy will be in the studio with us in just a moment. like to be joined on no encore by Christy and Amy from Laboom. Hey guys. Hey. Cool. Hello. I always like to do that to make our guests feel welcome yeah uh, amy, it makes them feel awkward it does. Yeah. we, it makes, we, we continue feel, to do it <laughs> i feel terrible about it uh, amy you've just come in having cycled your way around dublin i was talking to Connor from villages recently and he said that he's recently started cycling within the city i noted that i have a bike and i'm too scared to do it uh, you're getting used to it though
7: yeah it was actually christy that gave me the idea to cycle because okay. we'd be having jams and stuff and i'd be walking from home and he'd be like oh it's great you're just like bombing it around you get like from here to there and like five or ten minutes and it's only when i actually got the bike i was like this is absolutely unbelievable it's, the best thing in the world, yeah. it's so good but it is a bit of a uh,
6: it's a
4: rush. rush
7: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah definitely do you have
4: to be a bit aggro with people at times like it seems like there's lots of arguments <laughs> out and out of there's, yeah you need to assert yourself a <laughs> yeah. lot as a cyclist i feel it's
6: yeah. more about dodging you're never going to really win are you when That's it's true. like you <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. and a bus and <laughs> the <true>. bus always <laughs> yeah. wins
3: <laughs> I don't know, it's a weird thing where like you see people like upload these videos to YouTube of them with like I guess GoPros oh, on or yeah, something. Yeah, and yeah. they're like clearly like members of the cycling community if that's even a thing. But they clearly is- like go out of their way to get in people's way and be like oh, oh, look totally. at these yeah. look at these people yeah. outside the barge pub having a good time it's a cycle
4: lane how dare you well you know what? the principal you know you're right yeah
3: <laughs> it's a fine line is what I'm saying yeah. but no I find that like uh, like I'm from Drada I'm not even from Dublin but like I got a really cool bike. I know right I, I, I don't have the accent though um, <laughs> not
7: no, all I wouldn't have thought that well, well, I was
6: that's actually <laughs> we're from yeah. like Navin so you're from, from Navin, Navin. Yeah, oh wow. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I work with a
3: guy uh, from Navin and I work with a girl from Nobber and they have oh, yeah. pretty good country accents going on yeah i don't know what it is i'm like i feel like a bad because i feel like i sound like i'm from dublin four, but i'm yeah, not it's because you're pretentious <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's the word for it but i mean like even like Andrada and like like i which isn't the most cosmopolitan city or town in the world i tried to cycle there like about two years ago and i was like no nah, i can't do this I'm, I'm scared now i don't know what it is i just don't have yeah. the discipline
7: yeah because yeah. like i grew up like cycling in the country because i'm actually from outside navon and borromean mm. and like the only thing you'd have to dodge is just like potholes Like, it was just that was it. Like, (laughs) no cars. So, (laughs) So when I started cycling Dublin there about what, about four months ago? Yeah, it was really, really freaky for the first while. But I think cyclists do have a bad name, and I think people don't really give you a chance at all.
6: Myself included. Yeah, <laughs> Amy looks adorable on her little folded <laughs> bike. I have to say.
3: <laughs> I mean, uh, regular <laughs> listeners will know that this isn't actually a cycling podcast, but uh, and it so could be <laughs> one day. <laughs> it's been a long game I've been playing to try and get a cycling <laughs> podcast. But uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll move on to the music that we just heard, which is the new single "Animal," <laughs> which uh,
7: I've heard for uh, cycling
3: <laughs> I've heard it for a couple of days, and uh, it's one of those songs that I just keep pressing the repeat button on. And it's weird because, like, normally if I'm presented with like it, like a like a, a along at it, I'm kind of like, oh, like fuck off lads
1: and I've only got so much time in <laughs> the stick. day but
3: with this it's like three and a half minutes and I'm like ah, oh, you know it could be longer <laughs> I just keep listening to it so uh, well done on psyching me out completely <laughs> ah, cool. and messing with ultimate my... compliment there he <laughs> has three and a half minutes for you <laughs> really it doesn't my, get much better around here <laughs> messing with my routine but no I mean like it, it's strange because I guess you know you guys are playing to bigger crowds now there's a bit more expectation on you as evidenced by like you got an upcoming date in District 8 that's sold out one in Cork as well as part of your tour so as people People are starting to look for more from you and also look for a certain signature sound that you're still very much developing. Mm, yeah. Is it getting harder to kind of write these kind of
6: songs? Uh honestly, I think maybe it probably was a while ago. Yeah. And then I think even at you know, I really appreciate the review you gave us and, and I Niall wrote something about us today and stuff like that, but or or Luke the guy who helps him. But I, I'm trying like definitely not to read any of that now because I, I think definitely maybe a couple of months ago I was kind of a little bit you know, I was more affected by it when people would say, oh, that was great. I really like the way you have that really heavy beat at that part. And then the next time I sit down, like, all oh, right, where's that heavy beat? I, you know, I had the or whatever, like, um, it wasn't so much a fear of someone telling me it was crap. It was more a little bit of a fear of somebody telling me what part they really liked and then trying to recreate that on the next time, you know, you know? Um, but I think, yeah, there is that bit of expectation maybe, but I don't know, I think you, that you can get a bit. Caught up in that and you know, a bit overthink it a little bit. I think the reality is that people are coming to the shows, it's going pretty well. Um, I think we are still very early days, you know, we've only got what three, three, four songs out. Four songs. So, yeah, I think, I think at this stage, it would be just ridiculous to start. Really overthinking what we're what, what we're doing, you know. I think we're just going to keep lashing stuff out. It's all good cracking. Yeah, <laughs> crack. yeah, 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 yeah.
4: Considering it. it's such like early doors, um, you do have this quite formidable live reputation already. So it does seem like the music is from the get go has been custom built for crowds. So it's probably natural that even when you're creating, you're thinking how will this work in the room? How yeah. you know? Yeah. It's mad though because yeah.
7: like when you wrote what we do, it wasn't. You were probably like pretty chilled out and that
6: yeah it wasn't <laughs> with a big like crazy live show with lights yeah, right. it was before in, in the our, live yeah, show yeah. took
7: off so because it sort of was like the music first before like the right. the, the song yeah. was the first thing before the big live
6: yeah show. yeah now definitely we do like at the moment we're s- we probably have like songs that go from being the really boppy bangery kind of ones to more like album y kind of stuff, you mm-hmm. know, or EP tracks, you know, which I'm kind of like, that would, would be good fun to get to that, to get to get those as well. We definitely have released banger after, like, as in, I mean, banger, I don't mean that in a very compliment, like, as in, like, it's, I, I mean, it's a real. heavy. They're all bangers. No, 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 no. I mean, it's that, just banger in, after banger. Like, Guys, <laughs> yeah. you
4: call it Boom just, you're allowed to say bangers, it's fine.
6: You <laughs> can't stop releasing bangers. Now. I mean, like, they're all of a certain, like, tempo, you know, they're oh, like they, yeah, one, two, six. Really yeah, that fast, real fast sort of live kind of yeah. vibe. Uh, but that's not... I mean, we've plenty of time. I think it would be good to start showing other sides. I feel like Animal well. is a bit more chilled it's a bit down, more, down, yeah, calm, yeah. don't yeah. need it
7: now. I definitely think it's a bit more like what yeah. we do, more chilled.
6: Yeah, a bit more, yeah. Definitely. At the
3: same time, though, is there room for like a sensitive ballad? Like, Yeah, is, well, is actually, possible?
6: we're going to release something at the end of the year. We're going to release a, um, an acoustic version of What We Do, which is our first single. And... Um, that just kinda came about when we were down at Other Voices last year. We um we were asked just he last minute. It was lovely. <laughs> it was lovely. Uh yeah, w- Tracy from uh two FM, Tracy Clifford from two FM called us up and I right down and she was like, Do you wanna jump in for a quick chat? And when we got there she was like, Yeah, you'll you'll do a song, will you? And we were like, Oh shit, you know. So um <laughs> she just kinda gave us a piano or whatever and then because yeah, I was like, There's
7: no way I'm sitting in with like a glass bottle on an acoustic gig or yeah, she yeah, was yeah. like we have to get the bottle going and I was bottle, like no yeah. no no a piano and a bottle <laughs>
6: yeah but uh, yeah it was kind of put. we were put on the spot a bit and then it actually came off well I think it came off pretty well So I thought it was great yeah it was mm-hmm.
7: nice for me to not have to do anything for once and just <laughs> <No> like <one. laughs> watch them and listen and have an old pint and yeah. <laughs>
4: the way forward yeah, <laughs> totally, yeah.
3: I mean it's, I guess I interviewed neither uh, f- a few months ago I think it was and I asked him like you know this is the first time that you've managed a band, and mm-hmm. he's obviously been approached by a lot of people mm-hmm. over the years, I guess. And his like one of the reasons he said that he was kind of attracted to working with you guys was that he felt that you have got a clear vision for what you want to do, mm-hmm. and it's like a very long-term project thing, mm-hmm. and it wasn't just you know um, do do it for us; it was kind of work with us type thing. Yeah. But I guess I mean now we're looking at like the likes of kind of. Ireland's kind of current pop music revolution, I guess, with the the returning Westlife, and obviously picture this becoming this massive success thing. I just wonder, like, if bands who want to kind of have one foot in the, I guess, commercial is probably a, a dirty word for it, but like, do you actually have to sit down and be like, okay, here's my fucking blueprint, here's what I want to do in this period, or like, or can you just trust the songwriting and just enjoy it? Uh, I think we
6: are. I mean, planning is a big part of what we yeah. we do. Like, mm. you know, we definitely don't just. Um, I, I think. No, we we are pretty calculated with what we do. Like when we kind of release things, when we I think that was kind of always from the start. myself and Amy said that we we both been in bands, we we you know we we both obviously love playing music and all of that. But we said we're going to do this, but we're also going to try and make this something that we can. You know, we were thinking career-wise about yeah. it. You know, so from day one we were kind of like, right, it has to be fun and all that, but it also has to be progressing. And and every, every gig that was kind of a rule we had at the beginning was that. We could never, like, so say if we play Electric Picnic at a certain time, on a certain stage, we would never take another Electric Picnic slot as the boom if it wasn't, like, Bam. a later slot or a bigger stage, you know. Yeah. And that's kind of something we've applied to absolutely everything. And it has meant totally saying no to lots of things. And it's a risk, as in someday, I'm sure there will be a day where, where we will get offered the, the smaller slot, you know, and, and that might not feel very nice, but at the moment that's kind of the way we said it. we were only going to do this if it was fun getting and bigger, also if it was getting every, bigger you know yeah, yeah we're definitely very yeah, focused like that
7: every couple of months or like even every couple of weeks really you'll be on yeah. the way down to a gig and have loads of time to kill in the car and we'll be like
6: that's when we do we're our gonna planning. do this yeah and yeah, yeah.
7: That? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely think yeah it has to be getting bigger because but we, it's great y- fun but yeah. just it has to be getting bigger for the two of us as well yeah i
6: guess like the music part of it is great but we both do so much like i mean you're you're gigging the whole time as well, even with the DJ and with the the drumming yeah, and all that kind that, of stuff. And yeah. so we're both into other stuff, you know, and writing music for different things, you know. So it's like, just this project has to be kind of moving forward, you know, the whole time. Um, and uh, yeah, that, I mean, that makes it fun as well, you know. It's, it's, yeah. it's exciting, you know, but to see it moving th- like that.
7: I think we both really enjoy the aspect of, like, planning and all that. I okay. get really excited by, like, talking about the business end of it as well yeah, as yeah. the music that... That's, like, something I really, really enjoy.
6: Which is probably something that we probably should say, I not know, we just sit in right chains and it all just happens, but I think the reality is that we're very, kind of, focused when it comes yeah, to... Yeah,
7: and I think it's the same it. for most musicians Yeah, in realistically, yeah. common sort of, musicians in Ireland, they're all, like, even when you talk to, like, Leisha or Jafaris yeah. or any of those, they all, they all know what they're doing. It's
6: unavoidable. Uh, yeah, yeah like, you have yeah. to.
3: If you look at, like, you know, the influence of, like, Bim, for example, Yeah, well, year, that's it, yeah. It's clearly, like, something that's taught there. Like, yeah. I mean, you're taught to, like probably I, I don't know this for sure but i would imagine that you're probably taught how to fucking invoice or something well that's it yeah. like, you I'm, like, I'm
6: only
7: yeah. graduating next week i've got my graduation <laughs> next thursday are you taught yeah.
3: how to invoice or is that just something in my head um well, we, uh, you have business class
6: isn't yeah you? we business yeah,
7: yeah. like you'd like learn all about publishing and like labels and booking agents and like what to look out for like even yeah. on an irish sense and like internationally as well and just contracts and yeah, like real nitty gritty stuff as well. Some of the classes are quite difficult in business to get your mm. head around the law mm. end of it, but it's so worth it because you just come out and like you just know that stuff. Is now. it
3: weird for you to kind of be like uh, on the verge of graduating while also this is taken off? Are you kind of like I don't need to do this anymore? I'm. It's fine. No,
7: <laughs> I, I've got I, it. Oh, I'm so like happy to be like I absolutely loved college and like mm. all my tutors and everybody who was in college. were just so amazing and like really inspiring people. But, like, the last year was just, oh, so hectic. Because, yeah. like, we were, in, like, doing the great escape in Brighton and all. And, like, we were like fly home that day yeah. to do an exam the next morning. Oh. It was just, like... Oh. remember,
6: like, we used to be travelling home from gigs and you had the laptop out the whole time just oh, trying to get, like, like get 200 guess. words before we, like, we stop at a garage. Asking like, <laughs> <laughs>
7: <laughs> like asked like, Niall. Oh, yeah, he interviewed for Niall for Niall part of your like, thesis, oh, yeah. He got, like, <laughs> bad end of the stick, so I did. Yeah. <laughs> I did <laughs> do case studies on Niall or Nine. Yeah, yeah, Come on, Niall, give me some answers, will you, please? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, but but it's great to be done, but it's definitely worth doing. Like, plus,
3: like a lot of your gigs take place generally at like one in the morning. that's another thing where you just like, like, are you kind of like, can we not just be like a, a, a bluegrass band or something? Like, must it be this late night club thing?
6: I think you're actually, somehow, they're kind of getting a little bit earlier. Are they? No, they're not really. <laughs> we went on a half one in Cork, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. But yeah, and like, district is available as well. Okay, no. There's yeah, that never.
4: whole trend now for, like, you know, morning discos and stuff. You could get on that bandwagon <laughs> band <laughs> and then just do, like, 8am gigs <laughs> yeah, yeah. and then go, yeah. to, you know. Pre-breakfast. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Get it out of the way. Yeah, <laughs> and then, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
3: So, I mean, with regards to kind of, as you say, you're kind of taking your time, you're releasing singles, there's no major rush to kind of put, in. I know the EP is coming out next year. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, like what can fans kind of expect from the gigs as they kind of get that little bit bigger and a little bit later, I guess. As well.
6: Yeah, well, I suppose we do. We put a huge amount of time into our live gigs because like, that's such, so Important. we're kind of, we're halfway through. We've, we've a lot of our set done for this tour. And then next week, we're going to get into the studio and just spend hours in there, just getting that right. Um, I think we always try to, because change, we're so aware yeah. that it's small, like the the country's small, so there are, there are people who often go into our gigs and they say, you know, I've seen you like five times in the last year, you know. And we're aware that a lot of our fans are seeing us again and again and again. Right. So every time there is that kind of um You want to try challenge. to change yeah, you yeah, yeah, don't yeah. just get bored. Absolutely. Yeah. If, like
7: You've started picking up the guitar again. Because yeah. when I first started playing with Christy, Played the guitar in every gig, and then I don't know what happened there for like I a think, year. Yeah. I just like yeah, just really got into keys, and then yeah, after yeah. bringing that back, and then I'm starting to play a full kit again. Cool. Um, so we've got like kit and guitar. And yeah, just more it's just instruments. Getting a bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, sort of just.
6: I think our district show will be our biggest show in terms of instruments. Like it just keeps getting bigger. But I guess then. Um, it's great, Greg. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's
7: running around with loads of drums. <laughs> oh, for real, yeah.
6: But like we're going, we're playing like gigs in. We're going to Spain soon, and I think we've got a gig coming up in London and stuff like that. And some in Europe then next year, but so we'll probably have to scale down a bit for yeah. that when we're Not get on too excited. flights.
3: <laughs> so you're kind of raise an interesting point mm-hmm. there because you're kind of saying the idea of, you know, obviously you want to gig a lot, you might have the same people kind of coming over and over again. Mm. Mm. It's something that kind of Irish bands just kind of have to face and like I know that like uh, friends of the show The Galaxy have have come under fire from people just kind of being snarky saying oh look, they're always fucking gigging. Mm-hmm. Like I mean like you know like and yeah, uh, Look
4: at them I'm trying to make a living. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> but this is the thing I
3: mean oh, it he- totally like, A sense of mystery but also like it's your yeah. job so.
6: Well we kind of had a plan like you know so okay I know we totally have I mean, maybe to the onlooker, we've totally over-gigged, Maybe now, but our plan was kind of this is our last tour now in in Ireland, in Ireland. and, and we we just yeah in we just signed to like we just got a booking agent basically recently, so that's we're focused now on, um, on Europe, Europe and the UK. So we won't actually be back in Ireland. We've got there's a big one being announced uh, after district in Dublin, mm-hmm. but. That's not until the end of two thousand nineteen, so before then we won't be playing in Dublin at all, and we won't be playing. I think this is actually this this run of gigs is a probably last time we'll be in Ireland for I a year anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's I mean we we kind of have knowing that this big break was coming, we were kind of happy enough just to keep you know flying around the country doing the gigs, doing the yeah. gigs because we know it's coming. And um, but I definitely will miss it. Like it's so much crack. Yeah, you know? Irish <laughs> are great cracks. Yeah. So yeah.
7: Re- and like they're always like rare and go as well before the gigs because sometimes when you're doing gigs abroad, it's not until like the middle of the show that they really yeah, start yeah. to get oh, going. Right, yeah, yeah, But like yeah. in Ireland, like you walk in and everyone's just like, <laughs> like oh god, <laughs> this is like gonna be mental. Yeah, I,
6: I guess that's probably from being a bit better known here, isn't it? Maybe people know what to expect. But yeah, but when even we go at to like, that London, though. Because like, you know.
7: even when you go to like techno gigs abroad, like is that um a gig in Amsterdam a while ago and like people are just genuinely more chilled out abroad. Yeah. <laughs> so like the live show is always yeah. just bananas here because like Irish people I suppose yeah, there's just, no They, how
6: they to bring so much yeah to to the well so I was go ask to actually, like mad.
3: for ask like
6: for an Lycleboom like, <laughs> an is there nothing worse than the polite crowd. We've
7: like, done we've, we've done a few of those Oh, we
6: did a really funny one. <clears throat> we've done, we've done we haven't done many bad ones, I have to be yeah. honest. Like in fair we've but we've we sometimes do we get called for weird gigs, like, like maybe a corporate, a corporate gig, yeah. you know, so a Christmas party just or something like that. Just the wrong but a, though. <laughs> <laughs> but I won't name the company, but they're absolutely massive. But we did theirs <laughs> and we thought, OK, this company is well known for these incredible Christmas parties, like these just incredibly extravagant, mad, huge money Christmas parties. We turned up on you, know, but we had actually been booked for the accounts department of the. Of or was it the, the, the data or collection? Data, data, collection. <laughs> the data, oh. that was that was data it, right? collection department. So,
3: the hardest of goers. Oh man,
6: <laughs> it was crazy, and it it was, it was just in
7: like a function room in a wedding, or it, it was in a function room in a hotel. Right. And the function room was like massive, but there was only about fifty people there,
4: and they were married
6: to data. So yeah. that was yeah. it,
7: and. Uh, it just nobody got up to dance at all, and, and they've ordered in a massive
6: PA, so we were r- ripping the heads <laughs> off them. Like it was so loud <laughs> and lights and the whole lot, and they were sitting in a corner, down like kind of one hand over one yeah, ear, like trying to chat each, to roaring each, at each other. You, know? like you just go for it, like do oh, 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 we went for NCC, it. We yeah, went yeah, for yeah. it. Amy ran down to the table <laughs> <laughs> and, and did everything but jump up on the But like you know, it was we went for it. Rolling around the room, like
7: yeah, it's really weird. Someone of them god but. Some mm. of them are like, but that one was so bad it was actually brilliant. So yeah, was yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to find someone who works in like the most banal job right oh, now. No. I'm going to recommend the for their Christmas party. <laughs> I'm like, they love it. They always bring a good, a good show. I guess just finishing up with, with regards to the new single, I mean, like, you were talking about the kind of the themes behind it and it's kind of born out of kind of the idea of loneliness and kind of just people kind of looking for connection with one another mm. and how that can actually draw them together. I mean, At the same time, I mean, the track itself is up-tempo. You know, I think a lot of people don't really listen to lyrics, to quote American Psycho. So, like, is that kind of a weird juxtaposition where you're just like, okay, we've got to make a fun kind of moving track, but also I want to get some actual, you know, depth in there.
6: Yeah, I I think that kind of happens sometimes um, accidentally nearly. you know. Like, I mean, sometimes... You know, you can be writing your kind of your boppy kind of track, and then sometimes just the lyrics come out that aren't just that. you know, aren't that really happy stuff. Sometimes you can get away as well with a with a slightly cheesier melody line if you don't if you're not also saying this is a slightly yeah, cheesy yeah. melody line. You know, if you're <laughs> singing something that's much darker than that. Um, but I don't know. I always like the feeling of when you're actually because our gigs are mad and they're parties really. And then I also like the feeling that when you're playing them it's kind of a weird feeling that people are kind of dancing and you're singing about your own insecurities. It's kind of, yeah. it's kind of a little bit nice. Like it's cathartic or liberating. I don't know what it is, but it's uh, it's definitely something I'm into. <laughs> yeah.
3: <laughs> awesome. Okay. On that note, Laboom, thank you so much, guys. Cheers. Cheers.
7: Thanks very much for having us.
3: That was Laboom. Thanks for coming in, guys. Now, on the subject of our album of the week, a very hotly anticipated record from Robin. She's back. It's called honey. And it sounds like this. title track it's robin's first new album in quite some time uh, craig i feel like most people know who robin is but as ever i throw it to you for a quick primer
4: um so a scandy pop star with a difference maybe um started her career uh, a long time ago as uh, kind of you know she was on that assembly line pop thing um i think actually did she is she lost or she was passed off by, by like Jive records back in the day there was no, something around was Britney some, Spears no Jive she turned them down and she then turned they, them down
5: yeah, and she, then they went searching and then Britney Spears essentially flourished yeah, yeah. so she
4: had this early kind of um, kind of manufactured pop career that clearly wasn't uh, suiting her whatsoever and her abilities and totally changed her career around um, just discovered this kind of knack for really Icy, but also um, victorious kind of pop dance floor bangers. Um, I guess her Body Talk series was what a lot of people would know of her from around 2010. Um, and just really influential. You still, like a lot of pop still sounds like what she was doing a decade ago. Um, tremendous talent and a long-awaited return. As yeah, it's a
3: bit of a Frank Ocean situation where people have been begging for this album for yeah, quite some time. and yeah. mm. uh, They got nine new tracks. And I mean yeah <laughs> like the the expected glacial touchstones are here the very the common complaint that i'm already hearing from people who've heard the album in advance is that where are the bangers like really? where where are the club bangers? Mm-hmm. Um, what's going to be played in like you know kind of particularly? I think LGBTQI like places like Robin's quite big, and people would anticipate that they would be getting a, a fresh series of like really kind of pumping, uh, moving songs. And outside of the lead single "Missing You," I'm not really sure that they're here for me. I mean, like you know, like like reviewing this critically, I don't, wouldn't really mind either way. I do think this is a lacking album, though. I think it is baggy and I think that songs aren't really as sharp as they could be sort of a couple of genuine, really strong moments. I was a bit bored. Sarah?
5: That's very interesting because I, like, before coming to this album, when you were like, okay, we're going to be doing Robin's album, I was a bit like, oh, God, I don't know if I'm going to be very into this because obviously, like, her huge hits, um, like, Dancing... Um, What's like dancing on my own? Dancing on Which my own. Fucking incredible song. It's a great song, yeah. Like and I like would have heard on the radio and be like, ah, oh, yeah, it's a bit of a banger. But like, I would never have actively listened to Robin. So sure. I thought that this was going to be a little bit of a chore for me. Um, and I did read actually about two or three weeks ago. Uh, Laura Snapes of the Guardian wrote this incredibly extensive and in-depth um interview with Robin, and I read that just out, like out of curiosity and was really really interested in just like her whole like career and her whole approach to music and how influential she has been um and like pop would not necessarily be my go-to genre at all um but when I did actually stick this album on I was really really surprised by just how much I enjoyed it. and I think that that is maybe because it is a bit more of a slumbrous, it's quite a moody album um I also really enjoyed the like the very like motoric kind of melodies that kind of permeate throughout and like Robin is always kind of like lauded for her um lyrics which are like born from this kind of like uh state of disappointment of like you had the guy he broke up with you but you go out to the club and you like dance away in the words of like Roxy Music you dance away the heartache um so I was always a bit like oh I don't really know if I'm that into it but then when I actually took the time over the last couple of days to really like pay attention to her lyrics I was quite shocked by how good she is as a lyricist and in writing about those kind of like very universal and human things. Um, like she's very very tender about them. I feel like on missing you, the the lead single. Um, like there's stuff like now you're sent on my pillows faded and all the love you gave it still defines me, which I felt that like I saw actually Alexis uh, um review of the album today.
4: Craig's boy. My boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's just a thing. Craig has a crush on Alexis Petritus. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's his mutton chops.
5: <laughs> <laughs> um, but in his review, and I actually thought he got it quite wrong with this line. <laughs> he,
4: he often does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was really good on the Guardian podcast. But, I don't know if I was right on
5: But at this line I felt in particular, I was like, you're completely wrong about this. Was He said that honey is. The Scandi Pop version of Blood on the Tracks, which Blood on the Track as a break in terms of like breakup albums, and like Blood on the Tracks is a very vitriolic album, and like Dylan is very like venomous in some of like yeah. those lyrics. But whereas Robin, I feel throughout this album, it, like I was surprised at how like sentimental and almost kind of emotionally submissive she is especially it's in grief, songs it? like, like it's like it's grief. it's yeah. a combination of yeah like grief of like her friend christian Falk, yeah. who was a swedish producer who's actually credited on her debut album and um the breakdown of her relationship with max vitale who i believe they're back together they now. yeah, yeah. Oh, but she's God. been writing this album for like four years yeah yeah so
3: fair game put up with it for a while man. but
5: also like during kind of between um between like the body talk album and this she entered um uh, she started to see a therapist purely to kind of like kind of process how it was like growing up as such a, a massive star um and like I guess maybe that is why this um it lyrically is particularly reflective and very like
3: cathartic. I guess yeah. I think missing you, uh, which came out, that was the lead single, and everyone again because just the level of hype and people are like have instant reactions to things. I think a lot of people were left, you know, no joke intended here, cold by missing you. However, I think it's aged super well super fast i think it works perfectly as an opener which i wouldn't have placed it as before and i think it has a lot of strength of its convictions i just wonder if it sets up an album that i was hoping for but didn't get Craig,
4: yeah missing you is the highlight i think i think the album's book ended really well uh ever again is uh another kind of standout to me but like reading a lot of the reviews and reaction from people that would be admirers of her work to this uh, in recent days and it is kind of you look, you're reading between the lines because it's tempered. Oh yeah, this is good, and like she's you know doing a very a very sophisticated take on grief and blah blah blah, and it's kind of what she's not saying in the space. Mm. And it's, I found myself reaching a point with this record where there were certain passages and certain songs and I was thinking if this wasn't Robin I'd be more dismissive of this and say oh this isn't that great it was at one of those hour.
3: points at Beach 2K20 oh well, that's oh, that was a awful. real nadir. how did that get yeah. onto the
4: album? Yeah, it's baffling actually
3: <laughs> it sounds like a Streets of Rage like stock level you know like Tequila Beach like what is yeah. this doing here it's so meandering and kind of dumb
5: I I feel so I think that Beach 2K20 and also Between the Lines which they come uh, uh, they are like coupled on the album towards the end and like Between the Lines is very like kind of 90s callback and it has like this like pulsating um, synth and whatever but I felt that those were the two songs where you can really really hear Joseph Mount of Metronomy Metronomy's like input and influence on this album Um, I I, like. I also when I was listening to those two songs in particular, the words like, and like the image in my head was like French Riviera kind of style, (laughs) which is Mm -hmm. that kind of like metronomy, very very indulgent um kind of um sound, I suppose. But yeah, like I just found the beach 2k20 so nondescript and so indulgent and And it's like five and a half minutes long.
4: Yeah she's leaning on a lot of kind of dance and pop tropes and I don't think doing a lot with them or transforming them in the way that's like there's very little in the way of bar maybe the opening track transcendence here with her or her like you know having those kind of victorious in the you know against the odds moments that she's had in the past and maybe that's well that's clearly what she wasn't going or what she was going for because She's talked about how in doing dance club based stuff here, she was trying to focus on how you just kind of get locked into a groove and you Mm. have to appreciate the song as it's going along. And there isn't like, as in pop, those narratives where there's these huge climactic peaks Mm. and those hooks. Um, And for me, when you take away... Peaks in songs and hooks. (laughs) (laughs) You're kind of left, unless it's really hypnotic and really powerful and doing something interesting with not a lot, but repetition. I think Baby Forgive Me does that well. I think that's a really, really good standout track. It's quite heavenly.
3: Um, Yeah, it has a nice kind of ascending. Yeah, my main takeaway was that my attention just wasn't held with this. And I agree with Craig. I mean, not to necessarily just strip pop back to its most foundational parts but at the same time Robin is known for being sharp, she's known for having razor sharp hooks and structuring songs quite well and building it and kind of like going on an adventure and like that's not to say that she can't do an album like this and that she can't strip things back even further and just kind of make it this kind of mood piece and that's what it is, like it's very very moody I agree that it bookends very well I'm just lost a little bit the more it goes on and I think maybe it was just the intense level of hype or um, an album that I just didn't quite Find the time for it, you know? Yeah, but I spent a lot of time with after it, all this time waiting for it. Yeah, which is, it sounds very dismissive of me, but I, and it is dismissive of me, but I think it's a dismissive album.
4: I think the title track is kind of endemic of it because it feels like it should be the beating heart of this and it, it's like placed like the centerpiece. And the, in the run up, there was talk of, oh, it's her masterpiece. And when it kind of just stutters to a finish, I was like, what is that it? Like, I nearly had to check. I was just like, did this glitch weird or something what was that i don't know it was doing very little for me and even lyrically i mean i'm sorry i'm glad you got a lot out out of it but it seemed very kind of rogue to me like just just from a pure perspective of conjuring up kind of images and uh, you know the whole honey stuff i it just seemed very thin or something to me well for me it is a 6 out of 10 yeah i'd give it a 5.5
5: like, I probably would give it, like, a s- six and a
3: half. Yeah, I mean, it's...
5: Like, I... There are, like, are songs on it, which I will, I'd say, occasionally dip into. Mm. Like, I the only kind of songs that I actually didn't really like on it that much were Between the Lines, Beach 2K20, and Because It's in the Music. Because the last one in particular just really reminded me of, like, something that, like... Jennifer Hudson or J-Lo would have done in the early 2000s
3: right yeah and even that is a problem it just felt like very
5: yeah like the kind of callback melodies that she incorporated into this I just felt were a little pastiche yeah definitely but like I do think where she is good and like um. Baby Forgive me. I think is a great song. Mm. I think it's definitely the strongest song on that album. Yeah, and the singles are great. Um, and it did open me up to a bit more Robin. That's I
3: like that's a great thing. And I think just yeah. for for an artist who has been consistently ahead of the curve, this feels like she's fallen behind. So, uh, songs of the week. We will open up with Craig's pal, Beirut. The song is called Gallipoli. <laughs> That's the return of Zach Condon, aka Beirut Craig. You interviewed him live at a festival at Electric Picnic a yeah, few years it was ago. Quite the time, wasn't <laughs> it? No, it was quite the time because you and I were having a very stressful weekend of this, and the whole thing was that like it was the last interview it of was the, the weekend. Of, yeah, he was due on like in front of a crowd at like nine <laughs> or whatever, or maybe even ten. It was late enough, and you were yeah. kind of like. You're like really nervous about the interview because you. Well, it was this thing. You where got the impression that he was a bit tetchy or something.
4: Well, all of my research had pointed towards him saying in every interview, I do interviews, <laughs> <laughs> and then like that's that's interviews where it's him sitting with a person in a quiet room, not in front of a bunch of drunken Irish saps at the end of a festival weekend. Oh. Um, so the signs weren't good. Um, and, and it's then, just been a very long weekend and this was kind of the big one because people were excited and like another, the amount of people that unironically were coming up to me and being like this better be good because I love that band yeah. I
3: like, uh, what? another Drunken Irish app came oh. along though because I finished my <laughs> yeah. interview duties a few hours prior and the weekend that we'd had was so stressful that like we were hanging out in the media kind of tent and I went up to Craig and I was like I think I had a couple of cans of Heineken oh, yeah. with me you rocked up you were a ray
4: of sunshine <laughs> walking in <laughs> I was like guns. I was like we did it buddy across, across the room like a, like a newsroom people say work away <laughs> and Dave is just going we did it buddy we did it
5: oh
3: got, my gosh
4: I sat down and
3: I was like sitting there and I went on this weird like rant and I was kind of being like I was like it took a lot out of us you know they, they really fucking this took the 20 piss minutes here. Before I and, him, but I'm we like, did it man we did it we got oh, there and Craig was like hmm, yeah as Craig was like writing notes and I was like you want to can and Craig like no I don't and I was like <laughs> but the important thing man is that we got through it together like brothers." it was great <laughs> and then you were like yeah and then I was like what uh, What time was your interview
4: <laughs> and then it went really well yeah, he, was yeah. oh, he was a fucking sweetheart great. yeah he was a sweetheart um, and I'm yeah I adore, adore his music so I was pleased with that <laughs> he has been quiet of late his last record was No 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 and it was a very stripped back affair. considering he kind of made his name doing these very big arrangements um, he's great with a bit of brass um, yeah, the horns brass. of yeah uh, he's so I think this is a return to that sound it would seem from this title track right it's a big fanfare of a thing isn't it
5: it's pleasant but that brass is really oh, uh, really I yeah like I just find Beirut such a polite musician Zara wanted band. To, to
3: turf this song out of the songs of the week really? during, yeah. during the cut down I said he's no Beirut stays
5: yeah in what sense like I remember when he was M- like more prominent in yeah. people's ears, like a couple <laughs> of- <laughs> sorry, was, um, like a couple of years ago, but um, yeah, like at the time, I much preferred like say Patrick Watson and Andrew Bird, okay, and I always kind of felt like those kind of people were like lumbered together, um, yeah. whereas yeah, Beirut just always felt a little bit. Beige and bland to me. I see both so when sides. I, but guys. when I listened, I see both sides. when I listened to this song today, or the other, I've listened to it far more than just today, um <laughs> I, I I stuck it on, and the first like twenty seconds, I was like, "Yeah, this is a Bowie song." Like,
4: That's really interesting because m- my reaction was like, "Yeah,
5: this is a Bay song." <laughs> but that you got what like, you were, were kind of expecting, I, yeah.
4: I was
3: always trying. I'm transported back to it was Forbidden Fruit. I think when he played there a few years ago. And um, I remember sitting there on the grass, on the heath, rather, at like 7pm, sunny Monday, and glasses of wine kicking about.
5: Yeah, they're a real wine band. It's a
3: wine band, yeah. And I found myself going, this is really nice. I'll never listen to it again. But
5: really?
4: Like, how much have you gotten into the album, though? I haven't. Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah. I think there's deeper... I would agree. I, th- I think I'm more on Team
3: Zara but... I think he's pleasant... Uh, I
4: thought this was fantastic. Great, good for you, Craig. <laughs> uh, how did
3: you feel about another comeback, though, from a band that I know you like? It's the Good, the Bad and the Queen. Was Maryland Damon Albarn once again being prolific and experimental and strange? Yeah. You, you happy? I'm
4: absolutely delighted. Still, really, <laughs> I'm so happy this week. Good week for Craig. It's yeah. been <laughs> eleven years since we got a, The Good, The Bad and The Queen album. I was saying to Zara beforehand. The band aren't technically called The Good, The Bad, and The Queen. Okay. The album was called The Good, The Bad, and The Queen, and they never gave themselves a name. Oh. So this is Damon Albarn with um, Tony college, Allen, college the greatest drummer of all time. Right? Mm. No, he's not the greatest drummer of all time. Yeah, he probably is. Tony Allen would be <laughs> the well, best drummer Well, you're saying that to time. someone
5: who used to be in a band <laughs> <laughs> as a drummer, so. Yeah.
4: And I was, in fact. With notions. The greatest so, drummer I'm, of yeah. all time. <laughs> 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 um, Paul Simonon from the Clash, yeah. the greatest bassist of all time. <laughs> Where are you going with this? And Simon Tong, who was in the Ver for a couple of years. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, no, no joke though. The, the debut album is—it's kind of uh, a meditation on London. Um, it's some of Damon Albarn's finest songwriting. I think it's one of my probably favorite records. Weirdly enough, it's just a real mood. It's fantastic. What about and they're back one? to talk about Brexit. Um, <laughs> And I was very wary of that. Mm. I think this is great. This is the title track. I thought it was excellent.
5: Interesting. Mm-hmm. I <laughs> I um found this song very, very difficult to have to listen to um repeatedly, purely because I think one of the main things that really bothered me about this song was Damon Alburn's like vocal pace and yeah. it just felt like he was trying to get far too much into one line. Kinda of felt like like I'm like really, really bad at making up like lyrics on the spot to a pre existing song, and I'll try and fit too many words into a line, and it won't work and i it that's what it reminds me of it reminded me of me trying to make up a song, and I was like that's not a great but the only thing I liked about this song, really, was... Is that it ended? No, uh, no, it was this swell of strings towards the very end. Yeah. But, like, each time I listened to it, I was like, okay, I'm going to get those strings. But I'm but like, I have to wait so long because I, I it's quite long.
4: the point is, like, he's doing that vocal thing on purpose. Like, that really struck me as... actually hit me kind of emotionally because he's talking about, uh, I guess, um, Britain leaving Europe, but kind of fading glory. And he's taking on this role of it's almost like a filibustering thing where it's like a hectoring thing of just like, oh yeah, just a dogged kind of thing of like, here's all the, you know, um, fake memories that we're hanging on to. And it kind of, it loses its trail a bit to the point where it reminded me of like some old kind of like English whimsy psychedelic stuff like a Sid Barrett. Mm. And it becomes this really mournful thing of us like, oh, this person doesn't really know what they're saying and that they're kind of like spinning off into oblivion. And it just struck me as really sad, that kind of Yeah, of, like, I really liked
3: yeah. it. There was yeah. a melancholy here that I tuned into and I thought I managed to do world building quite well. I felt like I was watching the construction and destruction of a certain kind of thing in time and place. Yeah. While it was unfolding. And I wouldn't be Terribly drawn to Damon Albarn mm-hmm. generally, and like I'm not terribly in love with the Good the Bad and the Queen. It worked. I, I'm I'm rem- I am now intrigued. I want to hear the album, and that's what a single should do, right, lads? Yeah, that's just, what, that's the job of a single.
5: I would just be kind of like wary if the whole album was to sound like that. I think it would be a very monotonous and laborious album. Yeah, I'm sure it won't. Alright, you two. Okay. Alright, you know know what? You know what? what, Okay, fists down. Yeah. Because it's
3: time for the third track. It's Empress Of, and the song is called I Don't Even Smoke Weed. So that's what it's called, and that's uh, my story, and I'm sticking to it. Uh, I thought this was an awesome track. Well oh, that was great.
5: I quite enjoyed this song, yep. yeah. Um. Actually, when I listened to it for the first time, I was walking down the keys, and just instantly and as soon as... I hadn't listened to anything by Empress of beforehand, yeah. but the first thing I thought of immediately was Dev Hines and Blood Orange. I was like, yeah. this sounds like something that would happily fit into Freetown Sound, Um. Yeah, sorry, that is the name of the album. Um, and then, like when I was doing like my my little bit of a recce on um, on Empress Sound, like, cause her voice sounded really familiar, and I was like, have I heard her on like an ad on the TV? And then I realised that she actually features on Best to You, which is on that album. Mm. And I feel that like this song is a nice kind of like companion piece to that sonically. Um, but yeah very cool like 1980s New York I liked it a lot nice to walk down the keys too I would highly recommend yeah
4: I'll have to try listening to it like that uh, <laughs> I think it's great I love the pre-chorus I'm a big fan of a, a great pre-chorus I mm. think this leads in really well to that kind of Underrated wordless, aspect you might say yeah wordless kind of um it's like a new ordery since synth line hook thing. Uh, it's a really well-constructed pop song. It does that thing that great pop songs do where it's kind of a bit pointless talking about it because it's just so like effervescent. Totally, and it yeah. Works. Mm, yeah. yeah. yeah.
3: No, I great. found myself just being like, oh, I just enjoyed this one, and yeah. that's enough of a review from me. Check it out. <laughs> Track four sounds like it could have been on my buddy Valentine's Love list back in the day. It's Beach House, who played Dublin quite recently. It's called Alien. House or a Beach Gaff, as they've also been christened,
5: oh, Jesus played God.
3: by who? Uh, a friend of the show. Who? I'm not naming names. You sure? They would no longer be a friend of the show. But they'll be listening to this now, and they'll feel really bad. There. I, I thought Aww. Beach Gaff was. I thought Beach Gaff was inspired. <laughs> it
5: has to be Michael Pope.
3: I'm not saying who it is. Definitely the p- was. Point is. <laughs>
5: Uh, come put- on around have some uh, cans and Beach uh, is that that's Im- uh, my house.
3: is that impression of Mick put, is it- yeah, chain up, put the chain on. <laughs> Leave him alone he wrote put the chain on <laughs> yeah he, he wrote put the chain on which is one of our great songs yeah so uh, Beach House played Vicker Street there the other day it was on Saturday actually and I didn't go it was the running gigs I could have gone I didn't mm. go and I heard it was fucking incredible apparently it was brilliant
5: I think you see one Beach House gig you see them all I like, feel like I've seen them their, twice in plus, I feel that way about
3: their music and like I'm not saying that this is breaking new ground but I fucking I thought this was excellent
4: well, they suddenly decided, We're let's it- just really rip off My Bloody Valentine. <laughs> it, it and is it's great. It is such a rip. Yeah. Like, it, it genuinely sounds like, yeah. I had to check I wasn't listening yeah. to Loveless. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, like, it's such a good sound that's just like kind of rip away. Like, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed this. It, it should just be on the soundtrack to... I don't know, Lost in Translation. Like, you can imagine Scarlett Johansson can you pick and a good film? Bill please? Murray just being, like, all... Do you know what I mean? It's it's totally that Kevin Shields slice-like air thing if you want to find it, some other influence, yeah, but you it don't just, really need to.
5: <laughs> it just kind of solidifies the whole, like, theory that, like, they should have been in the Roadhouse in season three of Twin Peaks. They really should have. Like, they should have been on the Bang Bang stage. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it was grand. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I have a very... Love hate relationship with Beach House where Beach Gaff. No, I am not calling them that. That is not a good name. Um, I'm sorry to friend of the podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I've just found that like I was really, really excited by Beach House up to uh Bloom and then uh, Thank You Lucky Stars and Depression Cherry. I just felt kind of were very lackluster and did nothing for me. And then I did actually when I listened to Seven, I was a bit excited by it because they kind of started to bring a bit more oomph uh into like their sound. Um and like making their sounds a bit darker but in a louder way, if that makes kind of sense. Um this song, um yeah, I don't know. I just kinda I yeah, it's grand, but like I'm not I wouldn't have been like when I saw that there was a new Beachy song, I wasn't excited. Like
4: uh, I'm just thinking now, like is it actually a good song, or does it just sound really good? Does that make any sense? Is it yeah, just that like, whammy bar, like uh, that wave of stuff, just where I'm like, oh, I'm in like, bliss. I just, yeah, and the song underneath isn't really that remarkable.
5: I found uh, Victoria's vocals very, very hard to follow and decipher. Like I kept forgetting that she was actually singing, and it yeah. just sounded like She's another just layer and texture. The, drift yeah. of
3: the loveliness. Yeah. And finally, this week. <laughs> Julia Holter, with words I heard. I hold. That's my draw to accent there for you all oh.
4: to enjoy, listener. <laughs> Julia Gaff, as we call her. <laughs> oh, <geez.
3: laughs> very good. Is the song very good?
5: Yes, it is very yeah, good. Yeah, it is. It's been a good week. Yeah. I really, yeah, it's a it was an interesting one. just banger after banger like the <laughs> <laughs> The first time I listened to this song, I was a bit apprehensive and I was like, okay, this is extremely sparse Um, with just the like very minimal piano chords and then those like swings which just continue to build and build um i only recently listened to her album have you in my wilderness which i thought was great and it really like reminded me of like what way's blood is trying to say, like like but like not really doing a very good job because i think way's blood is a little bit dig. yeah Blippetig sorry um but yeah i loved how like haunting this song was yeah um, the only thing that i was kind that like did keep creeping back into my mind was i wonder what this song or how the song would work in a live setting and just imagining that like i suppose in a kind of like similar way to like saint sisters music where that is very like haunting and quite like spectral how that works best in say a, a Church or cathedral kind of setting. I could imagine this song in that kind of venue. Like I couldn't imagine if I was going to see Julia Hol- Holter in, like, say, Vicar Street, mm. and then she whips this song out. Like I think it could get lost, and it could be kind of like a a song where maybe the crowd would be like, "All right, I'm gonna go to the bar and get another pint," or "I'm gonna go to the bathroom." So I just kind of wonder how much it would hold people's attention. But I like it.
4: Yeah, it's a really good display of like her unique kind of compositional um prowess. It's it's really good. I love that kind of pitch shifting thing going mm-hmm. on with the strings. It's just it's yeah, weightless it's, and great. Um and yeah, I mean, I think this is the second cut co- we've got from the record. Third, I think. Is it? I, think I should so, love yeah. to and some Okay, but all the signs are that the record which is out now, the album's out today, I think.
5: And it's 89 minutes and 40
4: Oh, so, is Julia. this podcast this week? <laughs> so,
5: uh, I'll
3: say I really enjoyed it and we'll move on. Other listening corner, Craig, real quick. What's uh, you listen to this um, week? i re-
4: released uh, two EPs. I've been really listening to one and it's great. And I'll check out the other one and get back to it next week. Is there anything as good as one thing on it? Uh, is there anything as good as one thing? Good question. Good answer. <laughs> Zara.
5: Um, I have been listening to O Emperor's last album.
4: Have you
3: been fighting through the tears? You're a big fan. Nice. I love them. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Really, I'm saying it's a sad, sad time.
5: It is a sad time, but the um the their last album is absolutely incredible it's really really great and I highly implore everyone to listen to it
3: it's called Jason I believe Jason yes okay check that out for me um, not much uh, I've listened to Limp Bizkit classic Rearranged which is an excellent song throw down your prejudices and listen to one of the best songs ever made this episode of No what? Encore what? we
5: got end like that
3: <laughs> <laughs> this episode of No Encore was engineered by sonic architect Eve Murray a marathon episode for Marathon Man Dave Higgins friend of the show who runs the double marathon this weekend and we wish him Yay! all the luck in the world well, going to fucking it. kill it. Yes. So our eggs and music this week is... Uh, sorry, uh, Zara, thanks very much for coming back on the show. Oh, yeah. Oh, Great to have you worries. back. Any All love the you. world. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our eggs and music this week comes from a Dublin rapper by the name of Blue Nile. The song is called Rainbow. He says it's about sticky, sweet, empty calorie digital hookups. He's got an EP coming up called Blue Summer, focusing on looking at a breakup from four different angles. This song takes on the idea of trying to lose stuff in cheap and shallow encounters following a breakup. And uh, it is hazy. It is wavy. I think it's great. And that's why it's exit this week, guys. My name is David William Henry. There has been a very long episode of No Encore. Goodbye.
5: <laughs> See ya.
0: I'm a sad guy. No I'm a guy. Yeah the though i was just a rainbow, i was ready though dip when i lay low yeah survive yeah i could slide yeah yeah it's vibe yeah i could slide yeah yeah survive vibe yeah i could slide yeah yeah it's vibe yeah i could slide yeah yeah it's vibe yeah i could slide yeah, yeah It's a vibe when I slide. I'm alright when I slide. It's a vibe when I slide. I'm alright when I slide. And all of a sudden,
1: a fuckboy boy would have come into your life and fuck shit up. Sick of this shit. I swear to God, and that sick of that. break
0: Yeah.
2: only on PBS.